This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan Show. Today we have a really, really exciting show and we are going to be talking all about feminism. So later on on the show, we have the amazing Scarlett Curtis joining us. But right now in the studio, we have the one and only Rachel Thompson. How are you doing? Hi. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm like a sweaty mess, obviously, because I just got off the tube. But w- other than that, delirious. We are both here. both very sweaty on this last, <laughs> I feel like it's the last hot day of the year. The last hurrah. So we're both, we're both dripping. Yeah. We both smell. But, it, but, a, but it's okay. We're bonding over it. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really close to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like the, that that feeling is mutual. Um, so today we are going to be talking all about feminism, which mm. I'm, I'm going to start off by saying that I feel like when people hear the word feminism, they think controversial, oh, scary, oh, yeah. we're going to have a fight. But that isn't what feminism is about. Definitely and not. I think that's a really good way to start this conversation because I identify as a feminist and sometimes, you know, like... Anyone can be a feminist. And I think right. there's, a, there's this misunderstanding that men can't be feminists and that feminists are just these kind of angry women who go out there into the world and shout, which you and I know well, is not the case. Well, every now and then when, when it calls for it. But, you know, this righteous rage, as they call righteous it. Righteous rage. <laughs> um, so t- tell us a little bit about what you do to begin with, because you're a writer. You yes. do a load of stuff for Mashable. Mm. Tell us more about that. So, yeah, I am um, my more well, my day job is I'm a senior reporter at Mashable and I have a bit of a weird beat. Um, my kind of the topics that I cover, I talk about sex, relationships gender equality, gender, um, sometimes politics, um, and kind of like the intersection of all of that and like how it affects millennials um, and just young people in general. Um, And so, yeah, I write a lot of um, features about kind of like the mood in this like post Me Too era and kind of a lot of the the language that we we use when it comes to women. And I, I, I think that you're right in what you say about kind of the word feminism for some reason and this has been around for a long time it's it's kind of a dirty word mm. and it and it really shouldn't be and i don't think we are going to be able to like come up with a new term that like encompasses everything yeah. i think we're too too ingrained and too like invested now in this movement to like come up with a new word that just essentially is a synonym I, for it. I feel like it would almost be like anti-feminist to suddenly back down and say, "Okay, we're going to change right. the word." You know? Yeah. Well, we don't back down. We don't That's back down. One thing you need to know about <laughs> feminists. <laughs> no. But um, I think that really it's it's got a pejorative sense, kind mm-hmm. of like hanging over it. There's like a grey cloud that hangs over it, and you know, I sometimes even now I. I like feel nervous about in certain social circles like you know among my very close friends and my colleagues they all know that I'm a feminist but Mm. you know sometimes I I like wouldn't want to like display it openly just because I think that sometimes it makes you a target especially when you when you exist as a woman on the internet you know um I like I've deliberately omitted um the word feminist from my profile temporarily because I get a lot of harassment and you know I've I had to like one of the other steps to to kind of protect myself was changing my name on Facebook but one of the things that I sadly had to do was kind of get rid of feminist for from my from my profile because on Twitter because people were literally searching it out mm-hmm. and literally searching for that to come and throw yeah. abuse at you yeah because it's been kind of like co-opted in 
in like the, these divisive political times, yeah. um, the word feminism has been kind of um, adopted by like alt right and far right trolls who yeah. use um, the term feminazi to um, kind of attack any woman really who has a kind of voice or opinion, and they you know any woman that expresses an opinion that they obviously disagree with. Yeah. And so it's just kind of this go-to word now that has this, it's a loaded word mm. that people just really rely on it. Um, you know, there are obviously other other words that the, the far right love to use as well, but, um, but this is just one that's specific to women. Um, and yeah, and that kind of, while we might not like kind of identify ourselves with that political movement, it's still like, it's still really harmful for people who are feminists because like, you know, this is, you know the reputation of a movement yeah. and you are you know there's going to be one person who who believes you know the things that these people are saying the negative things that people say about feminism that it's this awful radical thing that's the death of society and civilization yeah. do do you think that and this is this is quite a controversial question do you think there are some people out there who have uh, given feminism a bad name at all do you think there's anyone out there who do you think has maybe fallen too far left for instance i i personally don't feel like you can be too far left i'm very very far left <laughs> but yeah, yeah. do you feel like that where where has this reputation come from or is it just men trying to suppress any woman who tries to have a voice i would say the latter yeah but i also think that that like feminism is by far like it's it's far from being perfect in terms of the movement that it is and has been in the past you know it's been like not amazingly inclusive i would say yes. um at times um, it's not inclusive of trans, trans women. women yeah. It's not inclusive of inclusive of non-binary people, and um, it's also not inclusive sometimes of anyone that's not white, and yes. that's really problematic. And that, you know, makes any woman or anyone who identifies as a woman really feel like, okay, I believe everything that this movement stands for, but I can't actually call myself this word because because I don't feel like this community is embracing me. Sure, and I think that that. I think it is changing, but I, I think that um, there are there have been things that have been said by you know like feminists, like famous feminists of the yes. past, like Jermaine Greer, for instance, um, that we as modern feminists Do in the twenty first century would want to distance ourselves from because that's not the feminism that we subscribe to. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really really glad you mm. brought up trans people there because that's kind of where I was yeah. going to go with that and bring up the whole you know trans ex mm. exclusionary radical feminism. I think that is kind of uh, you know that that makes all feminists look bad. Definitely, and, and and that really isn't fair. I know that I've started trying to adopt the term intersectional feminism. Mm -hmm. You know, to mean you know I. It, supportive of all genders of all people and yeah. you know people of color people with disabilities trans people non-binary people etc um and i recently said i get a bit i get a bit um political i get a bit angry on twitter sometimes and i recently said you know if you don't believe in intersectional feminism then yeah. i don't like you mm. but um i actually got a lot of backlash against this you know from a lot of people from all different walks of life saying you know mm. we don't subscribe to this idea and i found that so interesting so it's like how can you how can you not That's subscribe to an, an idea that includes everyone yeah i think that if if it's not inclusive of everyone then it's not feminism yes i think that that's what it boils down to feminism is really about equality um mm -hmm. for all women right and yeah. so you can't just say that 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 movement only applies to one type it's of one woman. type of woman like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense that's not equality yeah. at all absolutely so yeah <laughs>
Let's move on to, because I know you've been very, very vocal about this, about this kind of like this anger. I don't know what we call it, like an angry woman syndrome almost, yeah. where like we, where you have, you, you explain what it means right. to you. Okay, yeah. So I think essentially we're living through um, a moment in history when mm. women's anger is kind of at a boiling point. You know, this it's almost a year. It might be a year actually to the day. I can't remember, but it's a year since the Me Too movement Um Obviously, it's existed for a decade, but it really like took to kind of mainstream, like social media feeds. Yeah, um, a well, because and all the awards and everything else. Exactly, and I think that we are just as history unfolds before our eyes, we just find new things. We're not looking for new things to be angry about <laughs> because being living in an angry state is not ideal for anyone's like health or well-being, yeah. really. But. I think that these are really divisive times and there are, these are times that are really quite alienating when you're a woman. Yeah. Um, and I think that what we're witnessing as well is that there are, like, there's a double standard within society when it comes to women's rage and when it comes to men's rage. Um, and I think two, two moments in the past few weeks have really illustrated that kind of... Um, the dichotomy to, in in the way society like perceives the, those two things. Um, first of all, so like last week, for instance, right? We it might have been two weeks ago now. I'm really I've been ill, so I, I <laughs> everything's lost. a blur. Everything is a blur. But essentially, right? We're I'm sure you were keeping abreast of all of the Brett Kavanaugh stuff in the U.S. Um, and so essentially, what we had was. A man who was um, had all of these allegations against him, sexual assault allegations, who was um, nominated for the Supreme Court in America. So, the, you know, the highest honor if you're a lawyer and a judge in the U.S. And um, we witnessed live this um, the testimony, first of all, um, Christine Blasey Ford, who's a psychologist, um, an academic in the U.S., um, she alleged that when she was 15, uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, sexually assaulted her. And she testified, and it was honestly the bravest thing that Absolutely. I've ever seen. Um, this woman was so... She was in front of the whole world reliving her trauma. Traumatic, that yeah. she, I mean, she even said, I, I haven't really spoken about this much in my entire life. I think she'd only talked about it in therapy. And so she was reliving this trauma, and she was visibly and audibly upset and it was really upsetting to watch but she was so calm when she spoke and so amenable and I think that that's what a lot of women really took away from that she was so amenable and she kept saying things like oh does that work for you when whenever like people on the uh, the judiciary committee asked her like can we go for can we break now and she's like does that work for you she used a lot of language that was mm. so like she was saying things like I just want to be helpful and it was those kind of things that really set her apart from Brett Kavanaugh, who testified afterwards. And he was belligerent and really quite like hostile and volatile at times. And actually, he had to apologize to one of the senators because he turned a question around onto her. Mm. But um, basically, I think, I mean, the New York Times afterwards called called this display, right, a study in contrast, because it was precisely that. Um, this man was angry visibly angry and i think uh, very little was said about it and certainly the the senators a lot of them republican really didn't challenge him and say anything about his behavior which yeah. had a woman had christine blasey ford said anything like the things he was saying i think that i think that things would have transpired quite differently that day 
Um, but um, afterwards, he penned this big op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. This was on Friday. And he described his behaviour. He, he was essentially trying to backpedal and... He was saying, you know, I, I am an impartial and um, objective judge. And he used the word emotional mm-hmm. to describe and, yeah. his behavior. And when I just, as a woman, that really struck me as quite an interesting word, really. Because it's, it's a word that's used to dismiss women exactly. frequently. Yeah, it's just a word that a woman would, I mean, had, had, a, had Christine Blasey Ford behaved in the same way as Brett Kavanaugh did. And she, you know, came out to defend herself afterwards and said, I, I was emotional, perhaps too emotional at times. Well, that's, you know, kind of tantamount to hitting the self-destruct Absolutely. Button. And yeah. a woman would just never voluntarily describe herself in public as too uh, emotional. Yeah. Because it's been said of us and about us so many times that it's, it's this word with this massive legacy of connotations that are just so negative. And I think... Really, it all boils down to stereotypes surrounding women. And, um, you know, unfortunately, as as we all pretty much know, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed and he's going to be on the Supreme Court. And even, you know, even though he was angry and really belligerent and behaved in a way that I would, wouldn't have Never. dreamed yeah. of behaving, I would have, I think my parents would have given me a stern talking to afterwards. But, I, you know, he there were no consequences to his actions. Yeah. And that really sends a message home um, because, first of all, he, he used this word, which is so loaded, and I think he used it deliberately because he wanted to appear more human to people. But in doing so, for many women who are already really hurting over this because it really feels like we're not believing survivors, uh, survivors of sexual assault. It, it silences them. Right. And and I think that we're already feeling very angry about this, but... um. But this, the, the kind of just using that word just was like an adding insult to injury because that is a term that we can't use to describe ourselves. And it's a word that is regularly just flung in our face. Absolutely. What, I think when, when we talk about like women's anger, um, it's really interesting to just, even when you talk about someone you know, right? Say, for instance, you get in a fight with your mum or your best friend or something, someone who's a woman and in your life. Um, I think it's really important to pay attention to the language that we use when we talk about um, women's anger. Um, because even when we identify as feminists, we are still sometimes guilty of just using words that are loaded in that way, which further perpetuate those stereotypes. And we might not even realise we're doing it, but it happens. You know, when we say things like, oh, she's a psycho, oh, she lost her shit, she's emotional, she's crazy Mm. and all of these kind of things i think it's you have to ask yourself a question like would i ever use these words to describe a man who's angry yeah and more often than not you'll find that you would you wouldn't and that's because those words are heavily gendered absolutely so yeah i i I think i think in general you know this is something we see every single day we see i think a lot more often than we realize and it's not always to do with anger i think sometimes if you know you get a person speaking with passion and with conviction Mm. and if it's a man doing that then they're seen as powerful and you know all these positive Mm. words that are attributed to that but the second a woman walks in a room and speaks with passion and conviction you know she's described as being emotional or hysterical Mm. or you know going over the 
top. And it's like that these are two people doing exactly the same thing. You know, it's, it's seen in the workplace so often, you know, when you have a female boss. I've had female mm. bosses before and I've seen them dismissed by male members of staff when the shoe has been on the completely opposite foot and nobody questions it. And it's just like, oh, well, yeah, you're the boss. We'll, we'll listen to what you say. But then if it's a woman doing it, then it's suddenly like, oh, well, why, why? Oh, you're just being hysterical. Right. And it's the Which exact is, same action. That's yet another loaded word. I think it's because in society, basically, it's expected of men to, to get angry. Their, mm. their anger is perceived as justified and it's expected. It's part of their their kind of gender norm, their stereotype. And when a woman voices a concern and when she like is visibly angry and she expresses anger, um, she is inverting the, the, the gender stereotype and therefore she's, you know, going against what is deemed decorous within society absolutely and and that needs to change i think we, so. we need to change that <laughs> all right i think it's i think it's time for a little bit of music are you ready for a game Oh my god, so ready. So you do you do as we mentioned briefly, you do a lot of like sex education mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I do want to touch briefly upon um the importance of talking about masturbation during sex. Yes. Because I know that this is something you're very passionate about. And I am too, you know, it's it's this idea that we always talk about sex as being this very clinical, serious, serious thing. It's done for mm. procreation. It's actually no, you know, sex is done for pleasure and masturbation is a is a big point of that. Yes. I think so essentially when we talk about like when we go to school we don't actually learn about masturbation in sex ed i i can't remember do you remember when you first heard the word masturbation well i was doing it for years before i even knew what it was (laughs) this feels nice right same um when i was 13 i was in an english class and i this i had this friend charlotte who kept using this word this really long word lots of syllables and i was just like what What the hell is this word and why don't i know it because i read books i should know Mm. it and um, I, so I asked her, and that was how I found out what masturbation is. I did not hear it from a sex educator <laughs> or a parent. I didn't read it in a book. I learned from a friend who then immediately caveated, oh, um, I've never done it. Which, oh, the shame. Yes. The shame. And so I felt really ashamed for a long time and never, ever talked, not until my 20s, certainly, never talked about masturbation. Yeah. I, d- I don't do that. I feel well, like it's, it's, it's less common for women to talk about it as well. We, there, yeah. There's more shame attached to women masturbating than men masturbating. I remember, you know, mm-hmm. when I was getting to kind of 15, 16, all the boys would be bragging about how many wanks they'd had that day yeah. like it was this celebratory thing whereas if uh, any girls talked about it they were instantly shamed definitely and so researchers have actually said that women are less likely to masturbate um and that is oh, purely just because of this stigma which i'm sure stems from these like we've just discussed these gender roles that women are expected to behave in a certain way absolutely and, you know enjoying sex is one of those things that sadly society thinks that women shouldn't Look do down on. you know <laughs> and uh yeah in not basically if we don't learn about masturbation in sex ed when we're at school then we're not taught about sexual pleasure but we're also not taught about other forms of sexual activities that occur in sex and I feel like the sex ed that I received when I was at school was mostly just to do with like penis in vagina sex Mm. as they call it which sends this message that if you're not having that kind of sex or if you don't want to have that kind of sex then you're not normal and you're the kind of sexual activity that you're getting up to you know um, is invalid somehow so 
I think that it's not, I think in, to, in talking about masturbation, we are able to include so many other people, not just heterosexual people. Absolutely. All about the inclusion. Well, exactly. Well, speaking about masturbation and pleasure and all of those other things, we are going to play a game Great. now. Um, and this game is Porn or Not Porn. Um, so in this game, uh, we have to work together to figure out which... I've got five lovely sound clips here, and we have to figure out which of these are from porn and which ones of these are not from porn and apparently it is National Decorator Cake Day today um, and because everyone loves Great British Bake Off um, we thought we would do a Bake Off themed one so these are either people baking and making cakes and good stuff like that or, or people getting down and doing the dirty you have no idea how much like this is your game for me this, this d- d- designed specifically for you I love <laughs> yeah. Bake Off alright let's dive right in so our first one is put some in it who, who, who said what now Put some in it. Put, what's he saying? Put some in it. Oh, put some in it. Oh, oh that has to be Bake Off. That's or, definitely or, Bake Off. Yeah? It sounds almost, it sounds like Terry to me, the, a recent contestant. So you really are very, <laughs> oh, very versed in this. Mm-hmm. Put some in it. I, yeah, I feel like it's not quite, it, it, it doesn't sound porny enough no. to me. No, definitely not. Because a man sounds quite um, mature in it. And I'm not saying that there isn't porn for mature people, but... He sounds, he's got a very seasoned kind of voice that sounds like he mm. might be a baker, mm. I would say. I, I agree. So we're saying cakes. Mm. Saying, yeah. Yeah. Final answer. This is not porn. It is porn. This is hardcore pegging. So this is a male porn star talking about putting something in his butt for the first time. And the female porn star tells him that it's her dream to peg him. Love it. Oh, I love a bit of pegging. Same. It's something we don't see enough of. So, yeah. Wow. Well. I know. We but got... you should watch Broad City. That's Ooh, got lots of pegging. Has it now? Yeah. A lot of people have recommended that show mm-hmm, to me. You should watch it. Our next one is... I'll eat a bit of carpet. So, something carpet? Ca- something about carpet there. I'll eat a bit of carpet. I- I'll eat a bit of carpet. Oh, I think... Oh, come off it. That No, that's too obviously porn. I'll eat a bit of carpet. <laughs> that that. But um... maybe maybe someone made a sexual innuendo on Bake Off. <laughs> I, I feel on Bake Off, maybe, the, I don't know, I don't really watch it, I'm going to be honest, yeah, I don't really enough. watch it. But I feel like maybe, do they do like themed cakes? Could they, could yeah. they could they've made a cake that was like a house and it yeah. had carpet? Like, that oh, is... I'll eat to a bit of carpet? Absolutely, that could have very much been what happened. Uh, yeah. I maintain, I think it's Bake Off. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, mm. we're going to say final answer, not porn. Not yes. porn! Great British Bake Off contestant talks about eating dough that had previously landed on the carpet. Oh, I see. Very, there you go. very good. I see what you did there, naughty producers. <laughs> Cheeky rascals over there. Uh, all right, our next one is. I need to be the carpet. Oh. I played two at the same time. <laughs> Clumsy, Callum. All right, here we go. Oh my god, that's got to be poor. Oh, well, that 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 moan at the end sounded more like a laugh to me. Listen, it could have been a food processor. Might be yeah. a blender. I'm yeah. I feel like just there's a lot happening. There's like baking trays flying around. You yeah. know. Yeah. I feel like Who can tell if it's a mattress creaking or a blender? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it again. They're having a good time. Yeah, they are. What are we saying? I reckon Bake Off. Yeah, Bake Off. We're saying we're saying Bake Off. Final answer. This is not yeah. porn. This is Great British Bake Off contestant throws dough against the surface before flinging it into the air and dropping it on the floor. Marvellous. All right, our next one. Oh, wow. 
It's very musical. I that think one. it's Bake Off. I think someone's. I think it's dough or someone banging a baking. Do they like thing. clap their hands like, "Oh, you've only got two minutes left"? Do Definitely. they do that kind of thing? I think so, but they also just like bang all their equipment around constantly. Yeah. I think it's a baking sound. We're saying Bake Off again. Mm. We're, yeah, we are. We're, yeah, we're very committed to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not. No, oh this God. is porn. This is porn. Kim <laughs> slaps meat. Male chef porn star slaps chicken breast on the counter before Kim comes to help with the cooking. Then they have sex on the kitchen counter. Wow. Oh, my goodness. All right. I think we have time for one more really, really quick. Poke it in there. <laughs> Poke it in there. Poke it. Oh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> Poke it in there. I think Bake Off. I yeah, just... me too. I don't know why. I just, I just have an inkling <gasps> that... Poke it in there. Yeah. I feel like I've said bake off for every single one. I think I'm just too innocent, maybe. Oh, you're not innocent. That's a fib. All right, no. we're, we're saying bake up for the final. I think bake off. Answer is. Da, 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 da. Now, poor and great British bake off contestant yes. explaining her method to filling a jam filled bun. Poke it in there. Beautiful. All Love right, it. let's have a little bit of music and then we'll have our next guest. Don't care if I dance into your space Don't into you out there tonight I'll be alright if I We are now joined by the lovely, lovely Scarlett Curtis. How are you doing, Scarlett? I'm good. How are you? Really, really good. It's great to have you on the show. And we're joined here in the studio with Rachel Thompson Hi, as well. Hi, Scarlett. Hi. Um, I've just been listening and I'm obsessed with both of you. That oh. bacon game was incredible. Oh. And I, one of my favourite things in the world is talking about wanking. So oh, amazing. perfect. Well, yeah. I, feel, I, I wanted to get you two on the show at the same time because both of you talk about feminism, which is made and, and wanking apparently too, which is we do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we love all of those things. So, Scarlett, let's talk about your book, Feminists Don't Wear Pink. And can I just say, every single person in the world is talking about this book right now. I literally cannot move on my Instagram without somebody putting it on their stories. Everyone's obsessed. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. There's been lots of people posting themselves reading it in the bath, which I think is basically my target audience. <laughs> yeah, feminists that like reading in the bath. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so so it's, 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 it's your book. You wrote it, but you've, you've managed to get some absolutely incredible women to contribute to the book as well. Like the list of people, like a couple of my friends are in here, which is lovely. Um, but there's some like in, just some uh, such incredible, incredible names here, like Emma Watson and just so many people. Um, what was it like, you know, getting to produce this incredible book um yeah i mean it was such an incredible experience it, it really isn't my book and i think the whole point is that i would never have written a book about feminism on my own because yeah. i think i have such a you know singular experience and i'm white and privileged and that's not the kind of person that should be talking about feminism but i really wanted to put something together that kind of accurately expressed how i have experienced feminist movement working as a feminist activist for the last few years because I think we're in a really exciting time for feminism uh, and I'm hoping this book kind of gives a bit of a snapshot 
of all the different ways that you can be a feminist. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, we were we were discussing it in the studio a little bit earlier on, Rachel and I, and kind of talking about this this massive misconception when it comes to feminism. And, you know, mm. that there's this assumption that uh, feminists are these angry, bra-burning, hippie-esque type people. And I'm sure that there are some feminists oh, out yeah. there like that, and all power to those people. But, you know, there are so many different ways to be a feminist. You know, I, I identify as a feminist myself, mm-hmm. and I think even, you know, men being feminist is, some, is something that we don't, really talk about that often so you know like feminists come in all different shapes and sizes and i think even even just the title of the book um kind of delivers that message and you know getting such a mixed group of people from all over the world from all different backgrounds all different type of women it's so 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 important thank you so much and yeah i completely agree there's that saying like you can't be what you can't see and i think that so often applies to the feminist movement. Like, I didn't think I could be a feminist because I wore pink and loved makeup and, you know, obsessed with our boys till I was 15. <laughs> and Me I too, there's, same. <laughs> there's an amazing piece in the book by an American DJ called Angela Yee, and she it's titled Braless White Women. And she says, like, all the feminists she saw growing up were these white women, and she didn't think it applied to her at all, and it kind of wasn't mm. until she discovered more black feminist literature that she realized it was something she could get involved with and i think that is something that happens so often and so we really tried to get a bit of everyone in the book uh, just, this this question for both of you i guess um we'll start with you scarlet um when did you first start identifying as a feminist yourself when did you kind of as- assume that identity when did you find that word and almost that that political identity i guess um i think it was you know i as i said like i you know, kind of, I come from a very privileged background and I think growing up, I just thought, oh, this is something that's done. Like we learned about the suffragettes in history and I was like, great, they did it. Like we're all equal now. Yeah. Um, and I thought that I couldn't be a feminist because, you know, I like to wear high heels. Um, and <laughs> then I think I went, I went through a really hard time when I was about 14, 15, 16 and I was out of school and I was in a wheelchair and you know, had to drop out of school and was during that time was treated pretty badly by a lot of, you know, doctors and people yeah. like that. And I think also because I was out of school, I just spent that whole time reading and I started to read a lot of feminist literature. And it really helped me get through that time because I think, it, you know, I was really blaming myself and I didn't really know what was going on. And it's only when you start to realize that it's connected to this much bigger issue and something a lot of women are going through that you find your place in it um yeah. so i think that was really it for me what about you guys yeah i it's actually you know it's really interesting that you mentioned that it you know it's actually in the most difficult periods of your life that you really realize that you're a feminist i think mm-hmm. for me i so i was diagnosed with epilepsy when i was 16 and i uh-huh. yeah and i was that was until that moment I'd never thought of using the word feminist to describe myself Mm. and it was just Mm -hmm. something that you know we'd occasionally hear about in school but mostly only really applied to like the books we were reading and like the kind of literary tropes that were in front of us on the page and it was never really something that was a 3D concept and it was really when I in the my late teens and my early 20s when I really began to kind of like grapple with who I who I am as a person really what do I represent you know because it when you're diagnosed with something when you're living through something that's really hard you you really question everything about yourself and you're like who who am I and what what am, what am I you know what am I yeah 
And that having that label, having the word feminist to describe myself was a way of like reclaiming part of like my sense of self and, mm. you know, reminding myself that while I might not have like a full bill of health right now, I am still uh, a powerful and empowered woman that can enact change and will affect change yeah. within society, hopefully. I was very ambitious. <laughs> no, but you are. Um, that's amazing. And I think, yeah, it, I always say that feminism can be like an amazing self-help tool. I've never read a self-help book, but I've read loads of feminist books. And <laughs> for me, that's kind of my self-help. Yeah, I agree. So do, do you think there are a lot of women out there kind of using feminism as almost a way to empower themselves? And I guess not just empower themselves, but em, em, empower women as a as a whole. Yeah, I think completely. I mean, you guys were talking about masturbation and <laughs> I run this little activist group called The Pink Protest and we've done, we did one campaign last year around periods and we did another one this year called Hashtag Girls Wank Too um, and it was Love all it. about kind of reducing the shame and stigma that women feel around things like periods and masturbation and already you saw with that, like we'd have an event and these girls would come and they'd kind of walk in like mortified and bright red and then by the end of the event they'd be like I'm going to talk about wanking every day I'm going <laughs> to buy my sister vibrator and you know I felt so much shame around that topic when I was growing up and yeah. thought it was like proof that I was evil and you know proof that I was somehow a horrible person and if we could just get rid of so many of those things I think so many girls would have an easier time growing up I, I want to wear a t-shirt that says girls wank too I, want, I know. I, I want that. <laughs> Great. We're making them. I'll send you one. <laughs> I've got a T-shirt that says "Make a woman come for once," oh. which my mother, my mother, literally forbids me from wearing it. And I, well, I put it on my Instagram, which is amazing. Uh, wear it to Christmas dinner. <laughs> There's one thing we've not talked about, Scarlett, and that's I think you know we talk we're talking about you know your journey with feminism and you putting this book together and curating this book but it's 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 not it's not a book that's you know just for your own gain it, it uh, the proceeds are actually going to girl up is that right yeah so all the royalties from the book go to this amazing charity called girl up who works in 162 countries across the world and they work on kind of you know we've been talking about the ways that feminism can help you personally but they really tackled the other side of feminism which is they're working to end FGM and end child marriage and get girls into schools uh, and then they also train young girls as advocates and leaders so we actually have four of the girls from the girl up program in the book which is really great and their pieces are incredible and like some of my favorites i think we kind of asked them thinking it was like a nice thing to do and then they sent in these like feminist manifestos that are just amazing it's it's um, so, it's so amazing and i and i and i really hope you're, you're you're proud of this as a thing because you know i feel like you've empowered all of these women who are in the book how, how many authors is there how many people is it in total There's 52 52 wow. so many yeah. that that's like one for every week of the year so, i know <laughs> so you know it's it's giving a voice to yourself it's giving a voice to all of these incredible women it's give it it's making all the people that read it feel empowered it's sending a message out there to those people who are against feminism and it's supporting these people who so desperately need it like it's doing such good work and i honestly off the top of my head i can't think of another book that is has that much social impact and that much social change mm. That's so nice. Thank you. I think one of the really great things we've had from people reading it is because it is there are so many women in it and 
so few of them professional writers or mm. even, you know, there's a lot of activists in there, but not everyone is a feminist activist or, you know, a lot of people are just at the beginning of their journey. And I think it really empowers people when they read it to feel like their story's valid. Yeah. Because you kind of feel like, oh, my story could be in this book too, you know. And that's something I, I definitely never felt reading more like academic feminists where you know i'd end the book and be like this is amazing but i'm never going to be as clever as her or i'm never going to know as much about feminism as her um no one in the book knows that much about it and they're still talking about it so i think that's quite fun yeah it's amazing i i i i, I haven't actually read it yet i'm confessing this um but i'm Don't worry so... your amazing producers read it <laughs> <laughs> i'm so i'm so unbelievably excited to like tear through this entire thing and hear all of these voices it, ju- it just sounds incredible um, there was there was one final thing I wanted to touch on very briefly, and that was the there was there was some controversy around the book that I think was it was very unfair. Do you want to tell us um like your feelings on that? Yeah, definitely. So it was pretty mad, and um, we you know the whole point of the book was to try and get it into hands of girls that maybe didn't think they were feminist yeah. already, but could read this and realise that this might be something they wanted to get involved in, and. As part of that, we had a pop-up in the top shop on Oxford Circus um, because, you know, that's where teenage girls live. Yeah. Um, and it's where I lived when I was a teenage girl. Um, and after just a few hours of the pop-up being up, it got taken down quite aggressively. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's been it's been mad. And I think, you know, since, since it got taken down, Topshop have donated £25,000 to Girl Up, which is amazing is and good, shouldn't yeah. be ignored. But I think, you know, there were like two problems that we had with it being taken down. One was not being able to raise the money for Girl Up. But yeah. the other was, you know, that this is a store which has made all its money mm-hmm. off of teenage girls. And the idea, if it was taken down because it was too controversial or they thought they were going to get a backlash, you know, that's really saying that a store that only really sells to teenagers won't endorse something that is advocating for their equality, which yeah. is pretty crazy. And I think we really need to think about the messages that we're giving out for these girls and, you know, make sure that their money just isn't fueling the patriarchy even more. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I think I, I think it, I think it's a real mm. shame, you know, that something that is so socially conscious and doing so much social good would be, you know, removed in that way. But uh, you know, I also think it's a shame that that these conversations have kind of detracted from everything that you're doing. You know, we should really be talking about the book for what it is and everyone who's in it and the work you've done on it. And that's and that's what we should be celebrating. And and I guess that's what I want to end oh. this interview on. That you know, the the book itself is incredible. Everyone should be getting out and getting a copy. And yeah, I, I really, really can't wait to read it. That's so nice. Thank you. You can read one piece every week for the rest of the year. Oh, <laughs> yes. Was that done intentionally? Was that just. No, but now we can pretend it was. It's like a feminist advent calendar. Yeah. But for the whole yeah. year. I love it. Okay, I'll, I'll finish reading it in October 2019. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Well, Scarlett, you've been an amazing guest. If people want to get the book, where can they get it? All, all good bookstores, presumably. You can get it from all good bookshops. Try and shop from an independent bookshop. But if not, there's a thing called Amazon. You can definitely get it there. Um, and we've got a Feminist Think Wear Pink podcast as well, which is just me chatting to some of our contributors, which is quite fun. Amazing. Um, you can also listen to that. And that's free.
Amazing, brilliant. Well, we we must get you in studio sometime, Scarlett. I think you'd be a brilliant I'd love guest that. to I'd have. Love um, to just hang out, and play play some <laughs> naughty games. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. All right, Scarlett. So you... down for bake off or porn. Yes. <laughs> you won't regret it. <laughs> well, you've been amazing, and I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Chelsea Grimes. See you later, Scarlett. Yay, bye. bye. I don't have much money. I don't have a car So can you come pick me up about town And drive me to the closest bar I need a It was amazing chatting to Scarlett just then. I think I think both Rachel and I were both blown away by her. What a little legend oh my she is. She's amazing. Uh, I think we're going to end the show, as we always do, with a little bit of sex confession. So oh thank goodness. you to everyone who has sent in your confessions this week. Um, obviously, these are all completely anonymous. I think we will dive right in. Would you like to read the first one for me? Oh, yes. Yes. Right. Okay. I am a webcam model. My boyfriend knows that I am a webcam model, but my parents don't know that I'm a web- webcam model. There's a lot of webcam models to say there, so sorry for tripping over my words. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents don't know that I'm a webcam model. They think that always on the internet... That, sorry, I've lost myself, right. Um, my parents don't know that I'm a webcam model. They think that always on the internet and lazy to do stuff. Should I tell them or should I not? What do you think? Uh, it's a little bit awkwardly worded, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's I I'm I, a webcam model th- and they think I'm always on the internet doing lazy stuff. Should I tell them or should I not? What do you think? I know it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, tricky one. Um, see, the thing is... I think if if that's what you want to do, if you want to be mm. a webcam model and you're proud of that and you're yeah. empowered and you love doing it, then I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think there's this idea that there's something shameful and something wrong with doing, you know, webcam modeling or porn or whatever it is. And there, mm. and, there, and, and there isn't, you know, you should feel perfectly empowered to do it. And it sounds like you really enjoy doing it. And, you know, it's a it's a valid thing to do and it's a valid job. And I think that's fine. But when it comes to like parents and things, because mm. I know some people are quite private about their sex lives and things, and even if they are putting themselves out on their on the internet, then it can still be quite a private thing. So I used to work as a webcam model as mm. well. So I used to do a lot of kind of adult content on mm. the internet. Um, and although there was, you know, 20,000 people watching, I still didn't want my parents to know, you know, that they, they know now mm. it's something that we've talked about, but... At the time, I didn't want them to know. So I think I think you're entitled to that kind of separation yeah. if you want that, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you're an adult. At least I'm presuming you are because you're doing webcam modeling. Mm. So then it's your decision and it's not your parents' decision. But it's, it is a tricky one. I think it, it's a gra- it, there's a grey area there. I think so. And I think there is definitely this kind of like prevailing attitude in society that like sex work isn't work. And I think that sex work is work. You know, it has work in its very name. And I think that when we talk to our parents about certain things that are really accepted in our generation, there's a kind of there's a discord that it, it, some things just don't quite match up and the stigmas that we as a generation have fought against mm. they they very much like they just still exist um because that's what they've grown up with yeah. and they haven't grown up in in a world that is you know as open-minded as the one we live in today sure. which obviously we still have a lot more work to be done in it and i think perhaps if 
I think what you could do is perhaps kind of gradually, if they, if ever there's mention of kind of sex work in conversation or, you know, cam girls and things like that, I think to kind of just proffer your opinion that, you know, this is work and it shouldn't be looked down upon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it depends. It's ultimately down to what you're, you feel comfortable doing. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not ready to tell them, then, then you don't have to, you don't, you don't really have to tell your parents what you do for a living, I don't think. Just tell them you've, 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 the reason you're on the internet is all the time is because you've got an exciting new business venture yes. and it's doing very, very well. And then if they ask more questions, say it's none of your business. Yeah. This is literally my business. Yeah. Literally your business. Yeah. There we go. I agree. All right. I think we only have time for one more. So, okay, I'll read this one. I've cheated on every boyfriend I've ever had. I'm 24 and I've slept with at least 300 men. I'm always sleeping with someone. I'm currently sleeping with my neighbor. I think I may have a sex addiction problem. I feel depressed and sex is the only thing that seems to make me happy. Okay, so there's a lot to pick Um, apart here. For The the first thing I'm going to say, though, I'm like, I know we're getting towards the end of the show and I'm like, I want to address all of this. Um, Mm. Is that... The fact that you've slept with 300 men, again, there isn't anything actually wrong with that. No. You know, if you enjoy sex, then then that's great. Obviously, the the cheating is is potentially an issue. But I think the, the real thing I'm drawn to here is that you saying, I think I have a sex addiction problem. I feel depressed and sex is the only thing that seems to make me happy. Um, that could actually be, you know, th- th- there could be three things happening there. Number one, you you might be fine, you know, you might mm. be okay. I think that's something you need to talk to your doctor about. Um, you could be suffering with depression and sex could be your kind of outlet away from depression. I know that that was certainly the case for me when I, when I was... Um, when I was diagnosed with depression, this isn't actually anything I don't mm. think I've said it on the internet before. When I was diagnosed with depression, I actually went to the doctor and said, I think I have sex addiction. And I didn't have sex addiction. I was using sex as a mm. coping mechanism for my depression. So I think this is actually a very serious question. Um, and I think that the fact that you've reached out in this way and you're saying that you think you might have a problem, that it's important that you address it. And I think you should address that with a medical professional. I agree, definitely. I think that... Um, certainly with sex we get that like the dopamine hit yeah. that that might be actually what what is what kind, you're, you're craving not, you're and not, not addicted sex to sex but you you are looking for that kind of your mind wants the, the chemical response to it and I think definitely yeah I would agree I think go to a doctor um, and also I, I don't think that you should like beat yourself up for for you know the cheating thing it might just be that like monogamy isn't necessarily the kind of relationship model for you so you know addressing the other points aside from the depression thing that you've mentioned you know um perhaps uh polyamory is something that you could explore absolutely um, yeah that's that's my two cents absolutely worth. very bit very big question there mm. but um yeah yeah g- good answer there um that actually brings us to the end of the show you have been an absolutely amazing guest Aww, it's been a pleasure thanks. to have you on um, and we've just discussed such delightful... We've covered so much ground. So much ground. I really... So feel. much ground here. Um, this is this is your part. This is your opportunity to do the whole plug thing. So tell oh everyone about what you do, where they should follow you. Yes. So if you want to follow me, I'm RVT9 on Twitter. And I am Rachel underscore VT um, on Instagram. Um, yeah, I write for Mashable every single day of my life. So if you want to <laughs> find follow, her there, yeah. <laughs> so go to mashable.com. But um, I tweet out the good stuff. So that's, you know, just follow me on Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. You have been an absolute pleasure. Oh, um, thanks so much. And I'm going to play you out with a little bit of Friends Don't Kiss Friends. And this is by, oh, I've forgotten her surname. Em- Emily Burns. Emily Burns. She's <laughs> an amazing artist. Here she is. Incredible. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.